following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I cannot see between pride and purity. Don't let me serve you when I'm really serving me. Don't let me leave. When it's me who should be led Don't let me preach the words of truth When I'm needing to be fed Oh, the desperate heart of man Deceitful above all Only the Lord can know All that we never should I think I'm rich Remind me that I'm poor Don't let me act like I'm contented When I really wanted more And if the accolades may come And the job may be well done Just let them always see The one who died for Let me serve you For the empty praise of men Don't let me carry the banner of righteousness When my heart is full of sin The difference I cannot see Between pride and purity Don't let me serve you When I'm really serving me let me serve you when I'm really serving me. I'd love to hear from you in terms of your walk with Jesus. Are you making progress in this journey? Are the things that I've been sharing out of Pilgrim's Progress a surprise to you? Have you heard this before? Is this new to you? Uh, Is the Holy Spirit convicting your heart? And is he turning you toward heaven? Is there a deepening of your soul regarding the things of God? So if you'd like to join us on the broadcast today, we would be pleased to talk with you. And it would be an encouragement to others who are listening. I opened last night at the National Prayer Chapel at our midweek service at 7.30. I opened the question of, is there something I should do differently on this broadcast because we're not getting the phone calls that we've expected to get and their, their answer was not a very comforting answer. Uh, for some years, my wife, Jan, whom I lost to cancer recently, uh, she would be on the air with me, and they said to me, you know, when she was on the air, she was such a bright, cheerful person, and she warmed up the broadcast, and people felt comfortable calling because she was such a friendly voice. Well, I can't have her on the broadcast, so it's me, and I'm a straight shooter, and I'm not, I'm not very well varnished. I'm kind of raw, 
but I am here for Jesus. So if if you would like to call and you would like to share your journey in Jesus, I would welcome that call at 877-534-0780. They also suggested that perhaps much of this material is new to you, not being used to hearing these kinds of things in the entertainment age of the church, in the time when the gospel of Jesus Christ has become so watered down that everyone speaks of being saved in the midst of your sin, the whole concept of having to live without any known rebellion in your life seems a strange concept to many of you. And I will grant you that also in my life, when I first began to understand the Word of God, and I began to read carefully the writings of John Wesley, I was stunned by what I found. And when I began to understand the lie that has been made of the term justification, that also was shocking to me when I began to discover what the true meaning of the word in the Old English was for justification, see, as a a modern person trained in theology, I was taught in seminary that justification meant all of my past sins were wiped away and that everything from that point forward fell under the category of sanctification, which was a lifetime process. Well, I found that the Scriptures simply don't teach that. Sanctification is not a lifetime process. It is something that needs to happen very rapidly after one becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. And indeed, in Pilgrim's Progress, he was quickly sanctified at the cross of Jesus Christ. The word justified in the Old English simply meant to make holy. And then I discovered in Romans 3, when it begins to speak, Paul begins to speak about the gospel, it says, declared righteous. And to my shock, in the original Greek, the word declared is not there. It's added for a specific theological bent of the modern age. The word declared is not present, and that that word, dikasune, would better be translated to make holy or to make innocent. The word dikasune that we translate righteous or we translate justified at its most basic core simply means innocent, not in any way contaminated by sin. And so if I am made innocent, That is not being declared righteous. See, in the Old Testament, a man was declared righteous by the shedding of the blood of bulls and goats. But Hebrews tells us that no man is made righteous by the shedding of blood, the animal blood, but rather by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're made righteous. And this is not a shell game. It's not the blood of Jesus covering over our sin as the modern church wants to teach. Instead, that blood of Jesus Christ actually comes and purges us. It cleanses us. It removes the willful sin from our lives. Now, that seems to be a a threat in the modern church and a gospel that is unwelcome. I am utterly mystified by this. I would think that men and women who love Jesus Christ would shout with songs of praise and glory at the whole understanding, the whole notion that a man can be delivered from his wanton sin, his wanton rebellion against God. I cannot imagine a true Christian clinging to the idea that he must always live with sin in his life. To be set free from that sin is the most glorious truth I know. 
Yes, to be forgiven for all my past sins is is a wonderful gift, but I don't live in my past. I live right now. And in the right now, here and now, the gospel says, I can be completely delivered from all willful rebellion against the Most High God. To me, that's the best news a man can hear. Unless that man loves his sin and is looking for a cover so that he can continue to walk in wickedness and claim that he is a follower of Jesus Christ. But I also recall there was a time when Jesus said to his disciples, My body is real food, and my blood is real drink. And many chose to no longer follow him. What was he saying? He was saying literally in a spiritual sense, your only nourishment needs to be my spilled blood and my broken body. These will nourish you and transform you and metamorphize you into a new creature. You will be utterly different. He's saying literally, my blood, if you drink it, and my body, if you eat it, will remove all rebellion from your heart, and you will walk clean as a follower of mine. And many of his disciples turned away and said, this is a hard saying, who can accept it? They were those who chose still to hold to their Jewish myths and to the old covenant. They were those who chose to hold to their sin and refused the blood and broken body of Jesus Christ. They were the ones who cried, crucify him, crucify him. So today as we go to this wonderful volume of Pilgrim's Progress, I'm going to begin reading for you in chapter 6. This is page, let's see, they're not numbered here. Oh, it's it's uh, page number 111. And the chapter is entitled, A Faith Beyond Words, for those of you who are following along in your own Pilgrim's Progress book. But I want to thank you, Mark, for your email from yesterday, encouraging me in sharing this gospel. I also, before we go to the book, want to invite you to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel on Easter Sunday. And some of you may say, well, Pastor, don't you know that Easter is a pagan holiday? Yes, I do. Easter means Ishtar, a goddess, a pagan goddess. And almost everything, including the date about Easter, is utterly pagan. But we will celebrate the risen Christ. And it is a time when pagans feel comfortable in coming to the church because Easter is one of those times like Christmas, and both Christmas and Easter are utterly pagan holidays. And perhaps one day we'll go into that and explain what the Catholic Church did as they bought into these pagan events and then spray-painted Jesus on them. They're very much out of the Baal worship of the Old Testament that you find Israel constantly being ensnared in. Baal, of course, being the prosperity god, the god of lightning and thunder, the god of rain. That's not our topic today, but I do invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you'll find directions there to come and worship together with us on Easter Sunday, and you'll find yourself most welcome but directed very much toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's begin the reading in chapter 6. Now I saw in my dream that as they went on, faithful looked to one side and saw a man whose name was Talkative, walking beside them a short distance away. For on that part of the path there was room enough for many to walk together. Talkative was a tall man and looked more handsome at a distance than he did up close. Faithful spoke to Talkative. Friend, 
How are you? Faithful inquired. Are you going to the heavenly country? Yes, that's exactly where I'm going, Talkative replied. Faithful responded, Oh, very good. I hope we may have the pleasure of your company. I would be happy to be your companion on the journey. Well, come then, let's go together and spend our time in conversation about things that are excellent. Talkative said, I'm glad to have met someone who realizes how profitable it is to talk about good things. To tell you the truth, there are very few of us who will spend their time during travel speaking about what is good. Most men will waste their time talking about things that are of no value, a fact that troubles me. Faithful agreed. Yes, that waste of time is something to regret. Is there anything more worthy of our tongue and mouths than to speak of the things of God and of heaven? Oh, I'm already enjoying your company, Talkative said warmly. Your speech is full of conviction. And to what, and to what you said, I would add that there's nothing more profitable or pleasant as talking about the things of God. Also, if a man likes to talk about history or the mystery of things or miracles or signs and wonders, where would he find it recorded more sweetly than in the Holy Scriptures? Oh, that's true, said Faithful. We should desire to thus be profited in our conversation by purposely talking about the things of God. And Talkative added, Those are my thoughts also, for to talk of such things is most profitable. By, by so doing, a man may gain knowledge about things, including the vanity of earthly things and the benefit of things above. But to be more specific, by talking, a man may learn the necessity of the new birth, the insufficiency of our works, and the need of Christ's righteousness. In addition, by, by talking, a man may learn what it is to repent and to believe and to pray and to suffer and the like. By talking, a man may learn what are the great promises and consolations of the gospel and be comforted by these many promises. Further, by talking, a man may learn to refute false opinions and to defend the truth and also to instruct the ignorant. All of this is true, and, and glad I am to hear you say them, Faithful said. So Talkative went on, because there is so little talk of these things, there are few who understand the need for faith and the necessity of the work of grace in their souls for the obtaining of eternal life. They're still ignorantly living by the works of the law, through which no man by any means obtains the kingdom of heaven. Well, yes, said Faithful, but the heavenly knowledge of these things is the gift of God. No man can attain them by human industry or by merely talking about them. Oh, all of this I know very well, Talkative said, for a man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from heaven. All is of grace, not of works. I could give you a hundred scriptures to confirm this. Well then, said Faithful, what is that one thing that we should spend our time talking about? Oh, whatever you like, Talkative offered. I'll talk of things heavenly or earthly, mortal or evangelical, sacred or profane, past or future, domestic or foreign, important or inconsequential, so long as it's done for our benefit. Are you catching on who Talkative really is? Have you known who Talkative is? Are you even perhaps at if Mr. Talkative? Oh, this is such a trap. It's a trap we've all fallen into. I have known Mr. Talkative very well. Often Mr. Talkative has been drawn to the National Prayer Chapel by the messages that he's heard, and he wants to come and talk about it. One Mr. Talkative that I loved very much, he talked about prayer a lot. He talked about conviction of the heart. He talked about many things, and he was always 
a wonderful person of smiles, a wonderful person of of encouraging words, a, a person who was very much a friend until something would strike his heart that he disagreed with. And then he became a ferocious, a ferocious man, angry and bitter. And I learned as time went on that behind all of his pleasant words and behind his jokes and his smiling countenance, there was a man of bitter heart, a man who felt like he'd been left out, a man who felt like he was not being honored according to his capabilities, a man who had a grudge in his heart. And he covered up this grudge in his heart by words of love and, and compassion and, and words of religiosity, loving to talk about the things of God, but when confronted, would retire quickly into his sullen, angry nature. And oh, his family knew about him. His family knew his rage, for which he would then often have to repent, saying, oh, I'm sorry to his children. I'm sorry that I've acted this way. Sorry to his wife. But he was simply Mr. Talkative or Mr. Well-Spoken. He was not really interested in taking up his cross and following Jesus. And soon the day came when he fled from the National Prayer Chapel because people were beginning to catch on to who he really was. And instead of honestly repenting, He chose to run. This Mr. Talkative I find spoken of in the scriptures. Let me give you a passage of scripture that that has often caused me pain of heart. It's found in the book of Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter. And God begins to speak to Ezekiel in verse 30. As for you, son of man... Your countrymen are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, Come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Those words cause me great pain of heart because of the many that I have known who have complimented me highly on my preaching skill who speak highly of me as their wonderful pastor, who listen to this broadcast and say, oh, we love your broadcast, pastor. But then they don't put into practice the words they hear. They don't walk out this straight, unvarnished gospel that they hear. They love to hear it, but they don't live it. And part of my grave concern as I come to this broadcast is that I not simply be a love song to you, theology that you like to hear, a story of Pilgrim's Progress that you enjoy, and then you go out after looking in the mirror and forget what you see and continue to walk in the easy, casual rejection of the gospel that is so true of most in the modern church today, who simply take the gospel as a self-help process, looking for some means by which the human spirit can improve life, but with no brokenness of spirit, 
let me tell you very frankly and very honestly the cry of my heart before I come to this radio broadcast. I'm asking every day that revival break out. I'm asking that the telephones be flooded with men and women who are weeping before God, saying, please pray for me, Pastor, because I see the sin of my heart. I'm praying that revival will break out in this place. The Vice President, David Ruhlman of Salem Broadcasting, once shared with me the fondest dream of his heart, and that was that one day during one of the broadcasts going forth on this Salem Broadcasting Station, God would choose to move with revival, and the word would go out, revival has come at Weva, and that people would begin to drive from all over the city and gather in numbers so large the building could not hold them, and all of the radio broadcasts would be canceled as everyone began to just call in and pray. And pastors would come to the radio station and begin to minister to people the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit would fall on Washington, D.C. Well, I'm in full agreement with him. I don't know what the Holy Spirit will do, but the cry of my heart is that, yes, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And I urge you, if you're listening to this broadcast, that you would just put aside right now everything you're doing. If you're driving, pull off on the side of the road somewhere and just join me now and come close to the Lord Jesus Christ and be honest about your true spiritual condition. You're never going to be able to improve yourself enough to go to heaven. You're never going to be able to clean yourself up enough to go to heaven. It's going to have to be a miraculous work of grace done by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that right now the Holy Spirit will begin to fall on your life and that your life secrets will be uncovered before you, that the conviction of the Holy Spirit will begin to fall now upon you the secret sins of your life will be exposed, that you will no longer excuse fornication. You may be living with someone you're not married to. You know it's sin, but you've been so fearful of losing this partner that you've been afraid to say to them, look, what we're doing is wrong. Let's get married or let's separate. You've been going to the pornography. You've been going to the to the clubs, you've been using the drugs, you've been cheating or lying at work, you've been stealing, you've held grudges in your heart, you've, you've been bitter and angry toward your husband or your wife or your children, you've felt like they were unfair to you, you've been angry at your boss, you've, you've separated. I know, I know children who have grown up and they haven't spoken to their father for years because they're so angry at their dad. You know what your secret sins are. Would you come close right now to the Lord? Would you begin to confess your sins before God? Would you allow the Holy Spirit right now to begin to minister to your spirit? And would you stop playing games with God? I can tell you now, Jesus loves you. But he's not going to bring you into his kingdom with the hidden sins of your heart. He's not going to open the door of salvation and allow you to continue to walk in rebellion against him. He's simply not going to do that with you. You may have been walking casually before God, feeling like, okay, I can make it. Nobody's confronted me with my sin. I know I'm a sinner. 
I'm getting away with it. Well, no, you're not getting away with it. You cannot trust in being this rich American, this arrogant, rich American. You can't trust in America to get you to heaven. So right now, would you come close to Jesus? Some of you have your lives controlled by fear. I know what that's about. Much of my life has been crippled by fear. And then I discovered where the fear was was coming from. The fear was coming out of hidden sin in my heart. Fear was coming out of thinking that I would never be able to achieve what I desire to achieve to be recognized in the way I want to be recognized. It was pride. Fear is simply pride. Some of you are controlled by fear. You're expecting punishment. Well, there's one way to deal with this. Confess your sin. Get on your face before God. Acknowledge your private hidden fears and your private hidden sin and ask for the blood of Jesus to come and wash you and make you clean. I just I bear testimony before you. The most joyous thing in my life is the certain knowledge that I am clean before God, that I have laid down my sin, I've laid down my rebellion, I have submitted unto God. Now, there are character issues also that he wants to deal with. The love of money, lusting after recognition, the need to be somebody, ambition, desiring to leave your mark. All of these are signs of pride and arrogance in the heart. The Lord wants to bring humility into us. He wants us to walk down into that valley of humiliation and lay down our lives for him. Would you come close to Jesus right now? Would you just begin to confess your sin to Jesus? Even while you're listening now to this broadcast, please consider this an altar call. Would you come to the altar of the Lord? Would you lay down before him? Would you confess your sin openly before him? Would you let him deal with your sin? If you need to be prayed for, that's really why I'm here. I'm here for revival in your heart. And I'm going to give you that number. You're welcome to call. We have a few minutes left in this broadcast. The telephone number is 877-534-0780. Jot it down, 877-534-0780. And now I'm just going to begin to pray for you. Lord, I know today that men and women, boys and girls, are listening to this broadcast. And they may have walked as Mr. Talkative. They may have been hiding sin in their hearts. Lord, they may have been walking in in wickedness, in fornication, in adultery, in drugs, pornography. Lord, they may have been walking in arguments and dissensions and bitterness, ambition. Lord, I'm asking that you would just bring upon each listener now a certain clarity of understanding regarding their sin. I'm asking, Lord, for the convicting power of your Holy Spirit to bestir each listener that there would be no hiding place, that there would be no place of refuge except at your cross and at your precious blood. Lord, I don't want to come and play religion with my dear listeners today. 
Lord, I just want to come and lay at your feet and invite them to come and lay at your feet and say, Jesus, have your way right now. I know there is a work of preparation that you are doing to bring forth a true revival of godliness in Washington, D.C. Lord, I can't point my finger at the president, at the senators, at the banks. Lord, I have to look at my own heart and my own life. That's where revival has to begin. So, Lord, I come today confessing that I cannot bring the revival, that all I can do is bow before your throne, to lay on the floor in your throne room before your mighty power and say, Jesus, would you come now and do something in Washington, D.C.? Would you come now and do something in the heart of every listener? Lord, don't let them be distracted by where they're at. Lord, don't let them be ashamed of your gospel. Lord, call them right now to that place of conviction. Lord, I've read of of what happened in the old revivals. As men and women would come toward the place where you were presiding, they would fall on their faces. Even with their, their suits and their dresses on, they would fall on the earth and they would begin to weep before you because your convicting power was falling upon them. Lord Jesus, I'm asking now for that convicting power to fall here in Washington, D.C., and wherever men and women are listening to this broadcast on the Internet or on the radio. Lord, I'm asking now for that powerful presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we draw near to be ministered to We draw near to be touched by your hand. We draw near for what the Holy Spirit was meant to do, to bring conviction to our hearts. And Lord, some who are listening right now to this radio broadcast have hearts that have been hardened by many years of open rebellion against you, by unbelief by cynicism. They've been hurt by the church or they've been hurt by a pastor. They've been treated unjustly and their hearts are full of rage against you and against the church, but they're listening to this broadcast. Lord, I ask for the healing to flow in their heart right now. I ask that the bitterness could be drained away I ask that the oil and the wine could be poured into their soul. I ask for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to come, even as he brings conviction. Lord, would you just clear the path for each one who's listening now? Would you clear the path that by your Spirit, a change could happen today? Lord, let this be the date of a change in the heart of the listeners to this broadcast. Lord, remove the fear from their hearts. Open them, almighty God. Unzip them, Lord. Open their hearts to the call of this gospel as it goes forth. Lord, this may be the only chance they will have. I'm asking that you would bring them to the mourner's bench. I'm asking, Lord, that you could bring them to a place right now where they will finally make the decision to get serious with you and turn aside from their sinful life, their casual life, their worldly life. Lord, could they come now in the name of Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I'm just praising you that right now, You're moving in the hearts of these listeners. Lord, I come and just stand by faith that I don't hear anything except in my spirit. I don't see anything except in my spirit. I trust you, Jesus, right now that you're doing a work in the heart 
of each one who's listening, that you're not leaving anyone out. Lord, I'm just standing by faith now that this work of the gospel is going forth, that they hear this cry. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for the prayers that are ascending on high from the hearts of your people. Thank you for the songs of praise that are in the lips of some who've joined me in praying for the lost. Thank you, Lord, for the tears that are flowing from many who are listening right now to this broadcast. Thank you, Lord, that men and women have stopped in their rat race and are saying, wait a minute, I hear what this preacher's saying. It's time to get right with Jesus. Lord, let today be that that mark in the sand. Let today be the change. Lord, I just stand by faith right now that that's what you're doing. I pray in your holy name. Amen. If you'd like to call, that number is 877-534-0780. I'm here, and I'll be happy to pray for you specifically and by name if you have the courage to call. If the conviction of God is on you, and you need to talk about it. Some of you don't need to talk about it. Some of you just go deeper into the prayer closet and let this work continue that's already begun in your heart. Don't stop the flow of that work. It's already working. Let the Holy Spirit reign right now in your heart. But if you need to call and you need to talk and you need to be prayed for, call me. Call quickly. 877 877- Five three four zero seven eight zero. It's time we recognize Mr. Talkative for what he is and who he is and recognize in our own hearts when we have been Mr. Talkative and when we have not done what we said we were, when we have not been the Christian we said we were. Lift up your hands to Jesus. Lift up your heart to Jesus. Just take time. That's part of the frustration with radio. If I stop talking, you'll think I'm gone. I wish I could just stop talking and give you the next minutes in absolute silence. But I'm not allowed to do that on radio. So let the Spirit of God reach out right now and touch your heart. Let him call you. Don't let the excuses of the flesh get in the way. Don't let concern for what others will think get in your way. Get right with Jesus now. This is your chance. The Holy Spirit is offering you the mourner's bench where you can begin to cry out to him, where you can repent of being Mr. Talkative. Repent of the rebellion that's in your heart. Repent for growing cold. Some of you at one point in your life were very fervent Christians, receiving even visions from God, speaking the word of God. I know one dear family that used to receive messages that would would share words from God, and today they're far away from Jesus, caught in their worldly church walking in rebellion against the Most High. You may be like that. You need to go and sit on the mourner's bench today and and get right with Jesus. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I come to do this broadcast not to try to teach you. You don't need more teaching but rather to bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit by his power, by the power of the blood of Jesus, 
to turn you from being Mr. Talkative to Mr. Christian, a true follower of Jesus Christ. Now, you're welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find other sermons, videos, blogs, podcasts. You'll find content that is unvarnished in its approach that will help you as you sit on that mourner's bench and cry out to Jesus. I'd also love to hear your testimony. If you don't want to call on air, shoot me an email at pastorray at nationalprayerchapel.com and tell me what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart as an encouragement to me and that I could read on air and encourage others. You're also welcome to call me for directions for Easter Sunday service. I'd like to see the congregation just full of of eager men and women who, who are getting serious about following Jesus. Then you need to come where you know you can meet Jesus. So I invite you to Go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find there an actual map. Click on the link About Us, and it will give you directions. And there you'll find a map giving you specific directions on what our address is and, and how to actually drive to the National Prayer Chapel. We'd love to have you come and fellowship with us and bear testimony to what this gospel that's being proclaimed to you is doing in your heart. So, come and join us. Come and join us. I want to thank those who have been sending tithes and offerings. I want to thank those who are supporting this ministry. And I want to thank you for your prayers for this ministry. I seek your intercession for the fullness of Jesus to come into the lives of men and women as we listen and proclaim the gospel. God bless you. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Pilgrim's Progress.
sacrifice I give up myself and would Applied, I am. Born. 